Chapter 8 The Solution The controversy between Paul and Barnabas and the Judaizers, or the two visions of what the church should be like and look like and act like, uh, heats up in the area of Antioch. Uh, it's not solved after Peter leaves, and it continues to be an issue that divides people and causes controversy. And so at some point in the next year, during the year 50, uh, a delegation is sent from Antioch down to Jerusalem. This delegation includes a number of people, but it also includes Paul and Barnabas. When this delegation arrives in Jerusalem, uh, uh, a mass meeting is called, and the uh, different parties and different people all have uh, a lot to say about it, and they talk, and everyone gets their say. And uh, in this debate, Peter argues against the Judaizers. And so after his little uh, little incident up in Antioch where he was kind of persuaded by the Judaizers, he's come around to the other side after his confrontation with Paul, and he argues in favor uh, or against the Judaizers and in favor of Paul. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, who had been on the other side of the debate through the, all the discussions and through all the witness of what has happened among the Gentile churches and the reports, he comes around to agreeing with Peter and with Paul. And uh, as that ha <clears throat> happens, the whole church in Jerusalem, uh, delegates from Antioch and probably other people from around different places, come to an agreement. And they all agree on a fairly minimal requirement for Gentile believers. The requirement is that they should not eat food sacrificed to idols, that they should not practice fornication, and that they should not eat blood. And so essentially what that means is two things from the Old Testament law. Don't worship other gods, only one God, and don't practice uh, any kind of fornication, which is a fairly broad term, basically meaning the, the, the moral laws of the Old Testament, uh, the moral life of of an Old Testament uh, follower should be the, the kind of the normal moral life for a follower of Jesus. Jesus, uh, in fact, in many cases, increased the, uh, the moral requirement or expectations. And so those, those things are what were put into a letter that was to go out to all the different churches and be authoritative in terms of this is the decision on this issue. We're going to go forward with one vision. Jewish believers are free and welcome to follow their Jewish customs, but they can also fellowship with and eat at table with and worship together with Gentile believers who have a more minimal um, uh, expectation. And so um, this letter goes out. It's sent back to Antioch with uh, two men from Jerusalem, Bar, Bar Sabbas and Silas, and they go together with Paul and Barnabas to take the message back to Jerusalem, and keeping in mind what I said about letters in the last chapter. And it seems that the issue is more or less resolved. And going forward in church history and through the book of Acts from this point forward, this sticky issue seems to have been uh, resolved to some extent and doesn't cause troubles. But there is another crisis in Palestine, uh, in the area we know of throughout the Old Testament as Palestine in the same year, in the year 50. And uh, it's, it's kind of a two-pronged issue. One issue is more cultural, uh, not Jewish, 
but it's just an economic reality that's happening through the political and economic system of the time, uh, as has been traditional throughout uh, Jewish history. Uh, land title connected to family has been of huge importance to Jewish culture. But in this period of time, in the year 50, under the Roman Empire, something else is happening. Uh, there's, there's a number of, of very affluent or rich landowners who are buying up all the land into, into large estates. And then they're taking the people who, who normally owned the land in their small family groupings and forcing them into hired labor. Not slavery exactly, but hired labor as they take their land through political power and maneuvering and stuff like that. And so that's causing quite a quite a shift in in the culture and, and quite a stress on people. And it turns out that some of the wealthy merchants are Christians and some of the landowners who are being forced off their land and into uh, into uh, hired labor are also Christians. And so this is creating quite a controversy, quite a trouble in the church, how to handle this. I mean, it's a it's a political economic reality that no one can change. It's happening. Uh, but what do you do about this? And there's there's favoritism in the church towards the wealthies because nobody wants to offend them. And uh, the poor Christians are afraid to stand up for their equality or for their place in the church. And so uh, another thing, so that's the one side of it is kind of uh, things that are happening outside the church but are affecting the church economically. And then another thing that's happening is as this letter has gone out from, from the Jerusalem Council about the requirements, it's well received in the Gentile regions, but here in Palestine, where the vast majority of Christians are Jewish, it's misinterpreted in, in, some, uh, in some places. And it seems like in, in many places uh, the message got out that, well, Paul won. And Paul doesn't force us to keep the law, so now as Christians we can just live loosely. We don't have to have the morals any, anymore. We don't have to control our speech. We, don't, we can discriminate against the poor. We can give preferred treatment to the rich. Uh, all of these things are, are just people are using it as an excuse to loosen up their morals and live uh, a different kind of life than they had been, been instructed to. And so into this situation now, James writes a letter to the Christians, the Jewish Christians in Palestine. And so uh, this letter responds to these issues uh, that have come up, both cultural issues and issues that came out of the letter from the Jerusalem Council. So the year is 50 AD. James is writing to the uh, dispersed Christians in all the different towns and cities around Palestine. And he's writing here for very specific reasons. He's writing, his, now just to give a context for some of the comments in the letter and some of understanding is James has become well known throughout the region and his nickname is James the Righteous or James the Just. Everybody knows that of all the people that follow the law of Moses, James follows it meticulously. He is indeed a law follower. But in this letter, he's trying to explain that he doesn't do that because it makes him better than the Christians who follow the, the more lenient um, allowances in the letter from the Jerusalem Council. He's not trying to be better than them. He's just following his Jewish heritage. And, uh, and so he writes the letter, first of all, to encourage the Christians in a time of persecution. Uh, the, the Christians in Palestine are being persecuted by both the Jews 
and the Romans. The rest of the Roman Empire at this point doesn't have a lot of persecution going on, but in, in Palestine it's quite severe. And so he writes to encourage them in a time of persecution. And he writes to help them to distinguish between the works of the law and the works of faith. Uh, to tell them that, that living by faith in Jesus Christ without the requirements of the law doesn't mean you can just live however you want, but living according to the law of Moses in a legalistic fashion doesn't necessarily mean you have faith. And so he's explaining all of these things that came out of the Jerusalem Council and were misinterpreted by the Jewish Christians in Palestine. And so he's making that distinction between the works of the law and the works of faith. A true faith will produce good works, but of a different kind. And he speaks against the worldliness that has been creeping into the Palestinian church uh, and against favoritism for the rich and discrimination against the poor. And uh, so it would be a good time now to read the letter of James in the context in which it was written. One interesting fact about the, the letter that James writes is he makes in this short letter 20 references to the Sermon on the Mount and he makes many references to the book of Proverbs. Uh, just an interesting side issue. Um, obviously J James was was all about the Sermon on the Mount and he kind of put that in there and I think um, it would be a good reference to think okay James has in mind the Sermon on the Mount so it'd be a good time to go back into the Gospels and read the Sermon on the Mount as well. Uh, as probably the people who read his letter would have done because they would have recognized all the references and uh, had that in mind. Well, they wouldn't have written the, read the Gospels because they didn't have them, but they would have had accounts of Jesus' teaching, including the Sermon of the, on the Mount. And so um, that's why James wrote his letter. That's the context. That's the solution, the, the conclusion of the controversy over two different visions of what the church was going to be like going forward. And uh, that's the year 50 A.D.